Good morning. On this Thursday morning, I want to welcome you to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. Today, we are going to continue on our study of the Feast of Weeks in the New Testament, known as uh, the Feast of Pentecost. But it also does have a name that it is called, and it is the word Shabbat. I mentioned before at the very beginning that there are several names that are used to describe these this feast. And each one has a very specific meaning. So if we jump right into it, in the, in the book of Genesis in chapter 6 verse 3, and in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14, and Ecclesiastics chapter 3 verse 1, we'll be using some of these verses as the basis of what we're going to be looking at. The Shavuot, as it was called, the week of, <clears throat> the the <clears throat> feast of uh, weeks, was a divinely appointed time and also place. It's important to emphasize also place. Not only did God himself appoint the time, as to when it was going to take place, but he also appointed the place where it was going to take place. And that is part of the meaning of the word that we're going to find in uh, the book of Genesis chapter three, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, and Genesis chapter 1, when we start looking at it. But I do want to emphasize the importance of understanding this. Because God is, not only are they his feasts, that he declared they're my feasts, but we had learned that they have their agricultural significance to the nation of Israel. Prophetically, they also speak of the coming of Jesus and or the redemptive price that he was going to pay. That's prophetically. And they also speak of the church when we look at it as in experience. So let's say Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Father was going to send the Holy Spirit. We experience the Holy Spirit, the church. But Israel also experienced the feast and, of course, the giving of the law. So you have... The part that is experienced by the church. The part that was prophetically fulfilled or will be fulfilled by Christ. And the part that the nation of Israel partook of. So you can see the connection between these things. And we begin to understand the appointed time and the appointed place. Also because of the importance that God gives to everything. Nothing is by accident. God is a God of purpose. He's a God of plan. He's a God of design. He is a God that does things for a reason. So if we look at Genesis chapter 6 verse number 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And of course, we've read this scripture before. We've talked about some of the things that are in it. The hundred and twenty representing the hundred and twenty that were in the upper prayer room. But the emphasis is 
that God appointed. He appointed a time exactly as to how much more time was left that this would take place, that his spirit would not always strive with man. Now, some interpret this as being or talking about Adam. In other words, Adam, not 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 just uh, uh, man, because it's uh, the word that is used is almost identical, but it's talking about Adam that he had 120 years left, and when he would die, then of course uh, uh, that would be when the flood would be coming in. And some believe that uh, Adam was dead by this time or died at this time. Others, it's just simply, it means man. But uh, I don't even want to get into all of that. But it's the appointed time. that That's what we're looking at. God said in Genesis 1, 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. To divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And of course, uh, that is basically how humanity lives by having a calendar in the sense that they either follow the signs of the sky, the seasons, uh, the days and the years. But that word is important. It means an appointment. That is a fixed time or season a festival, uh, something conventionally, a year, something that is by implication, an assembly. So so you've got all of these things going on, technically the congregation. So it is a time that is appointed. It is also a place that is appointed. It is a solemn appointment. That means it is holy. It includes the idea of the assembly and the congregation. And of course, the the feast, a time of joy, a time of, of, of rejoicing and gladness and all of this. So all of these things are tied into that word there in Genesis 1.14. In Ecclesiastics, we find another word that is used that is very important also. It says in Ecclesiastics chapter 3 verse 1, to everything... There is a season. And that that word season there, it means an appointed occasion. Okay, so it's very close to the other one. And a time to every purpose under heaven. So let's look at it again. To everything. That means everything on this planet uh, that takes place, that happens. Everything has a season. But there is also a time to every purpose under the heaven. And if we could just expound on that, we could understand a little bit more as to the reason of the feast, uh, God's purpose for them, and all of these other things that are involved. Some of the Jewish uh, writers of back in old time and some of the new ones, in other words, this is in the writings of the Jews uh, you're not going to find it written in the Torah, the the five books of the of the Bible, but this is in their history. This is the things that are written concerning Enoch. Enoch has the oldest prophecy that has ever been written. 
And we're going to read about that. I say he was and he is a prophet. He was a prophet then. He is a prophet even still today uh, where he is in heaven alive. It says, who will return during the time of the tribulation. And of course, he will be killed during that time by the Antichrist. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And Abraham is also called a prophet in the scripture. So this is what we want to look at. In Jude chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, you have to remember, this was written <clears throat> back in that time by Enoch. Now, there is a book that is attributed to him. Of course, it's not going to be one of the books that you're going to find in the Bible. But nonetheless, Peter used this, or excuse me, Jude used this to identify that even Enoch, in his time, prophesied about the coming of the Lord and the judgment that would take place. Now, this was a very long time ago, very long time ago. And if we're to, to study the life of Enoch, we've got a couple of scriptures in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, this portrays something very important from the men that I've been mentioning. In the time of Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, we find something that takes place. We find those before the flood, during the flood, and after the flood. We find three different groups of people. We find the group that is taken out, which is represented by Enoch. We find the group against which judgment is passed and all flesh perishes. And then we find the group of those that were in the ark, safely nestled and saved. They were kept from what was happening. It happened, the flood happened, but they were not destroyed by it. They were kept, they were protected. So, you may think, well, what does this have to do with the Feast of Pentecost? It's believed by some of the Jews, not all of them, but let's just say it's believed by them in their writings that he was born on Shabbat, on the day of Pentecost, even though it didn't exist yet. And he was taken up into heaven on Shabbat. If this is true, and we're looking at parallels, and we're looking at things that are shadows and types and patterns, then this would be the foreshadowing of the church, which should be removed also at the rapture. In other words, just like Enoch was raptured up, translated into heaven before the flood came, 
So the church will be raptured up and taken up before the tribulation starts. If Enoch was born on Shabbat, then that means also that the church was born on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and accomplished his work in the lives of those believers and everyone since that has believed. And that he was taken out on Shabbat. Well, basically, in other words, that it would be during or about the time of. And I, like I said before, th this is just Jewish writing. This is not in the Bible. But it's interesting that the concept already existed thousands of years ago, even before we were taught or learned about the rapture in the New Testament and the church of Jesus being born and, of course, being part of the bride. Now, in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, I went a little bit ahead of myself. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before he was, or before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. And the only way you can please God is with faith. And when the Holy Spirit came, the era of faith also began in the sense that those that walk in the Spirit are also those that learn to walk by faith in God. The Jews believe this as far as their writings are concerned. It's important also for us to understand the relationship to Noah and of course to Abraham and all those in the in the scripture. It says in chapter 2 verse 5 of 2 Peter, and he spared not the old world, the old age, not not the planet, but it's talking about the age, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the age of the ungodly. Now, of course, uh, uh, that is what Enoch prophesied, that there was going to be a time when there was going to be a judgment. And, of course, it uses the word ungodly <laughs> quite a number of times. Now, as far as Abraham is concerned, uh, of who is the father of so many nations, according to the scripture in uh, Genesis chapter uh, uh, 12 verses 1, 2, and 3, that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. It says in Genesis 20, verse 7, Now therefore restore to the man his wife, talking about Abraham, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, Thou and all that are thine. It was important because out of the lineage of Abraham was not only David going to come, but so was the Messiah. And then, of course, then we would also be incorporated into all of that. This is also interesting. This is fascinating. Uh, we'll continue on Friday morning. Join us as we finish up, not the study, but just finish up that one thought. Okay, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. May he truly enrich you in spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen.